here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome to a second consecutive week of with a new um, BritRest Roundtable episode. Uh, as stated on last week's episode uh, where we went in depth on covering the WXW's World Tag Team League. While we're out there we also managed to record a bunch of interviews and that's what this episode is going to be. It's uh, you know an interview pack type deal. Um, the quality isn't always going to be brilliant. Although overall I think it's a bit better than what we managed to record interview wise for 16 carat because we brought a directional mic well which i think helped the quality a little bit however i think for two of the interviews we had some technical difficulties on the directional mics we had to go to the backup uh, which was ollie's recording so for those two the quality won't quite be as good but overall i don't think it's it's too bad and hopefully you can uh, put up with it because i i thought the the interviews were really good um so a big thank you to wxw for allowing us to do them uh, as well as everyone else uh, all the other media guys who were out there who agreed to let us um, include their questions because it was kind of a group interview type deal. So yeah, thanks for the, to all them, like BatBodyDrop.com, Bottom Radio, Across the Pond, I'm, Matthew from Botchamania. I may be forgetting some other people, and if so, I really apologise. Um, but yeah, there was there was a bunch of guys there, uh, all of whom uh, were great to be around. But going back to the audio quality, we were in a big room big echoey room fair bit away from the wrestlers who were we were interviewing because you know we were sat at a bunch of tables they were sat kind of on a podium type deal and in the same hall that we were in we were in kind of a partition section of the hall um about 10 meters behind uh where the wrestlers were there was a uh, a practice ring where some of the wrestlers were planning out their matches and that ring uh was very squeaky so you may be able to hear quite a bit of that in some of the interviews wasn't too much i could figure out how to get rid of that um if you are better at audio than me maybe you could let me know for next time but uh yes overall i think the audio quality is good first one up was an interview with jfk which we did prior to uh night one of the uh, night one of world tag team league after in a circle um yeah we'll go to it oh by the way this was one of the two interviews where there were some technical issues with the directional mic so the quality isn't quite as good for this one as i've just said okay i'll stop yabbering on now and pass you over to the first interview (laughs) 
I was just wondering, guys, you have only teamed for a short time, the last three or four months. Um, how do you feel you're getting on as a team working together? Do you feel that you've still got a lot to do to gel as a team, or do you think you are already a finished product as a tag team? Um, I think we still have a lot to learn and to figure out. The biggest problem is basically I live away from here and he lives close to the academy, so we don't get to train as much as we want to. Um, but that was, will change in the near future, and uh, we are by far not a finished product. But um, I think we're doing quite well for, for the short amount of time that we've been together, so yeah, we'll see. Be honest, are you a little bit annoyed that you're not part of the World Tag Team League this year? <laughs> I wouldn't say annoyed, but it's yeah, not sad. But, well, I am. <laughs> yeah, like yesterday, I think we showed that we can um, yeah, hold on to that level. And um, yeah, it would be cool to be a part of the World Tag League, but I think we're not finished yet. And maybe next year there's a place for us to be. Yeah. Next year for sure. <laughs> Very, very good, thank you. <laughs> um, it's basically just a matter of right training and um, recovery, which is always which always comes short in wrestling, I feel like. So uh, I have to take care of that, and as long as I do that, I'm, I'm fine. Um, ring rust, not that much, to be honest, because I took a lot of time um, training first and then doing small shows. So, of course, once you get in the ring, after uh, quite a while, you feel um, kind of out of it, but it wasn't as bad as expected, I would say. <laughs> because, um, yeah, the best thing I can, I can tell anybody uh, have, having an injury is to take time and to prepare and then um, come back as soon as you're ready physically, but also mentally, that's very important. I believe, Jay, you went over, I don't know about yourself, uh, Francis, in 2013 to Japan, um, under the Cage Dojo. Um, can you tell me some stories about how that came about, that tour, and what you learned actually working over there and visiting Japan in general? Uh, I think you said K-Dojo, right? Yeah. It was actually for Big Japan. Okay. Um, it was a huge culture shock. Like, Japan, <laughs> it, it hit me. <laughs> and um, to be honest, I couldn't really stand the food. <laughs> So for me it was just gas station food and rice, but um, wrestling-wise it was amazing. Like um, experiencing the the pro wrestling lifestyle, I guess, which I didn't know back then. It was just on weekends you get to wrestle, and then during the week you do your, your normal thing, your normal job. Um, so wrestling-wise and also for experience, it was great. Um, didn't get to see much of Japan because we were on the road so much. So I, I would always see it like from the window, see the the streets and the um, the landscapes pass by. So I would love to go there to see the country again. Yeah, sure to wrestle, but also uh, the country is very interesting. So I didn't get enough of that. Wrestling-wise, it was a lot and it was tough, but a great experience. Um, Jay, you've been uh, in numerous tag teams over the years. You've been in the Wanderers. You've uh, teamed with Charles and 
Russia and uh, you're in JFK. Um, how would you compare your various tech partners and uh, your role in the tech team uh, over the years? So I think the main difference is um, with the Wanderers, we, we both were very unexperienced. Um, with Gresham, he was way more experienced, and now I am the more experienced. <laughs> so uh, I guess that's, that is the, um, the main difference. Um, of course, uh, every, every one of the guys is, has a different character and um, brings different stuff to the team. I, I think now for us it is very good that I have um, that much experience in tag team wrestling. We can feed off of that a lot. And um, but so far, I can say this is the the team I feel most comfortable with, and uh, I see. <laughs> and um, yeah, I see I see big things happening for us in the future for sure. Um, Francis, recently I saw you using the Koji Kanemoto, um, the <laughs> you know the, the kicking face wash. Um, I was wondering, uh, like. How much did you learn from wrestling Koji at 16 Carat and what was your experience like with that match? I remember being around here um, for the match and I was super nervous. Um, but Koji was just a cool guy. He was very polite and most people didn't like the match. But for me, it was the, my favorite match of the year so far. Um, just because I, I've learned so many things, like details, and um, yeah, like like you said, I, I use um, the face wash boot because um, he he told me to do that, and I think that's worth it. So many people don't understand why I like this match more than any other matches. But for me it's something special to, to yeah, be in the ring with such a great legend. And yeah, it was an honor. As a tag team, as, as individuals, what are your short, medium and long-term goals in wrestling? Um, where, do you want to, where do you see yourself in, in the next one, two or five years? So in general, I would say making a living off of it because it's my biggest passion. It's all I ever wanted. So that's the the big goal. Um, of course, for the both of us, the tag team championships. And as um, as every wrestler, I think the the greatest thing next would be uh, holding a singles title. Um, I, I still have my sights on the shotgun title first, and then we'll see what happens next. <laughs> But um, yeah, that's I would say the goal for the next few years. That's that's a lot to work on, and then that we see where that takes us. Yeah, for me, as uh, Jay said, it's the, my main goal is to make a living from wrestling and to be yeah to be around the world and just wrestle. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> Guys, last night you faced EYFBO. Uh, I was wondering how you felt that match went and if you learned anything from facing a team that's got quite a lot more experience than you have as a team. I honestly think that was our best performance to date. Um, both of these guys are great wrestlers and great gentlemen as I wrote on my Facebook, maybe somebody saw that. Um, such nice people and um, I think we had great chemistry. Also, for us, 
we, we always give 100%, but yesterday was the day where we knew, hey, we're not in the tag league, but this is our chance to show the people that we should be in there. And yeah, I think we did. I think we did. <laughs> no? Francis, please. <laughs> uh, Francis, you've recently uh, stated that you want to make being a wrestling fan cool again, and you meant to make uh, wrestling cool again, you want to integrate it more with pop culture. Could you talk a little bit about that? Um, first of all, it's not really like a gimmick. It's basically what I am. I am young, and the things I listen to, like music or watching movies, um, yeah, the jacket, that's, I would, I would wear that, um, yeah, on, on the streets every day. Um, so it's not like a gimmick just only for wrestling, it's an extension of myself. Um, I know about pop culture, I know about what's, what's modern, like in movies and music, um, and I wanted to bring that into the wrestling world, because I thought wrestling is so, um, yeah. Stale. So stale <laughs> nowadays. Um, because there are many people who are living in this uh, gigantic wrestling bubble and to be honest, I have so many friends that don't like wrestling and yeah, I think wrestling is boring and I wanted to show another side of wrestling. I wanted to bring something fresh into the wrestling world and I'm not, I'm not ready yet but I want to be the big new thing in wrestling, if that makes sense. So I want to bring uh, new people into wrestling, new, yeah, a new audience. Um, so WXW have brought teams in like from all around the world for this tournament. Um, with you saying you'd like to be a part of it next year, um, are there any teams that you'd particularly like to face if you were in next year's tournament? Is anybody expecting the Young Bucks now? <laughs> I mean, I wrestled the Young Bucks before, I would love to do it again, so, yeah, sure. Um, I've had a lot of matches with uh, OA4K over in Japan, which I've always felt good about, so yeah, that's that would be another team. And um, I think Gresham is teaming with Jay White right now, right? Yeah, am I right? Yeah, so these guys would be nice to battle um, against, yeah? What about you? I would like to wrestle uh, EYFBO again. Okay. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> the Gangbox, of course. Um, yeah. Or Rice. <laughs> so, what got you into pro wrestling? What was it that hooked you to make you want to be a fan and then move from being a fan to actually training and then actually being professional wrestlers and working to the standard that you are now. What brought you here to where you are now? So for me, I, I knew about wrestling before I became a fan, but um, the one person who got me hooked to wrestling was the wrestler Chris Benoit. And um, I just loved his, um, his intensity, his um, work ethics, I guess. 
and um, yeah, I, I just fell in love with the, with the intense style that he brought. And back then, that, that somehow gave me strength for myself because um, I wasn't in the best position um, either. So that gave me a lot of strength to go through. And then um, I decided, you know what? Why not try it? And uh, started amateur wrestling first, and then after like one and a half years, I had my first pro wrestling training, and it just clicked, I guess. And yeah, that's it. Um, to be honest, I don't really remember when I first watched WWE on television, um, but I always wanted to be a wrestler since I was 10 years old. And um, so I visited some shows in, in Europe, like uh, WXW or GSW, um, 11 years ago. And I was always a fan of European wrestling. Um, I did a few tryouts over the years, but I wasn't that sure if I really wanted to be in the ring as a performer. Because it's... Yeah, when you are a little child, or yeah, a grown, when you become a grown man, a teenager. A teenager. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. A teenager. When you are a teenager, you don't really think about it. You're having this big dream, but at this point, I did the tryout, and it was pretty hard for me to do it. I thought about, okay, that's pretty tough, and I wasn't sure if I can stand that all the time. So I thought about it a few years, I think two, and I started training in 2014 and had my first match in August 2015. Yeah. And now I'm here. <laughs> Hello. So if you're trying to make wrestling cool again, and you're obviously a very cool wrestler, then so are you. Who would say the second best, coolest wrestler would be in Dubexdor? Or someone that could make, help you make wrestling cool again? I think there are many cool wrestlers, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> they are. They are listening! <laughs> <coughs> yeah, but I like... Um, sir, can you stand up, please? Oh. Dirty Dragon. <laughs> no, honestly. Yeah, but the problem is Dragon Ball help us. The only person he helps is himself. What? Yeah. That's me. No, honestly, he's. I like. What I like about him is such a unique character. And you don't see guys like him every day. And that's cool. That's pop culture. <laughs> Good answer. That's it. That's why I'm here. The next interview up, which immediately followed the prior one, is with Massive Product, which is Jörn Simmons and David Starr. Um, one of the important things you kind of need to go know going into this one is that Dirty Dragon, maybe comedy wrestler is a disservice, but a very funny wrestler um, who wrestled for WXW was sat uh, on the table behind us for this one and was kind of uh, asked a couple of questions off mic. Overall, I've tried my best to make it what he said audible, but... A lot of the time, since he wasn't using a mic, it was just hard to hear him. Uh, but I've done my best. So, yep. 
Good afternoon. How did you enjoy yesterday's Inner Circle show? You both in singles matches, both came out victorious. I had fun watching you guys. What, do you enjoy working a show like that in such a small setting? Do you feel there's any differences between that and bigger shows? I, uh, I really enjoyed my match in particular yesterday because I got to wrestle Homicide. I mean, that was something I've wanted to do since I started. Homicide is Homicide's a, a legend. Uh, somebody I was honored to have been able to wrestle and especially to have done it here, a uh, place that I consider home. It was something super special. Inner Circle always seems to step up and have good shows. I mean, last year's Tag League Inner Circle, I think, was main evented by Zack Sabre Jr. and Chris Hero. So, like, and then I wrestled Thatcher on that day. There's, and I think, what was it? I forget what it was before 16 Carat. I forget, but that was also another. Oh, me and Riddle were that was that day. Like they always bring in great guys for Inner Circle. It's uh, <laughs> the worst match ever. Uh, it's my it's my my way of getting Jacoby to get really mad at all the spots that I do. <laughs> I don't think he, he kicked out after a Canadian destroyer. Um, but no, Inner Circle is always awesome. I always enjoy them, especially the intimate setting, settings. I'm a, a big fan of them. Um, yeah, for me it was my first inner circle show, and like, um, like I've I've worked with Jackson once before, but um, is it, like this is a different setting. Like Dave said, it was like more intimate and all of that. So I don't like if I feel like it gives you a bit more freedom. You know what I mean? Like to to kind of mess around and goof around and like just have fun. You know? So like, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Good <laughs> afternoon. So uh, last year you. Claimed, or you won the World Tag League with Shane Strickland. Now, I want to know uh, about the development of your relationship and whether Jan Simmons is the man to make you the first person to ever reclaim the, or retain the title of the World Tag League champion. So I'm interested in the relationship of you two. Uh, yeah, we're going to go back to back. That's pretty much... That's when you train your back. And <laughs> Yeah, super lame, but it's okay. Dad jokes are the way to go. Um, but last year was an awesome experience. Uh, I was I was really happy to have had the match that we had, and I thought it was pretty pretty successful weekend overall for WXW and for obviously uh, Shane and I winning the tag titles was super sweet. Um, and this year, me and Yaren are going to do it. Uh, we've we've wrestled a bunch of times before. In fact, we uh, we kind of had a little bit of a mini mini feud over the WXW Unified Championship. And, uh, through that, I think we developed a pretty good relationship, and he stopped being such a dick. And uh, yeah, now now we have sick T-shirts that everyone's gonna have to buy. I don't really have anything else to say. He'd be pretty much said it all because he likes to talk a lot. Um, I just want to say that like my track record in tag league is pretty good. Last year, I pushed speedball shit in, so I'm pretty confident this year. Yeah. The T-shirts mostly is what I want to get. Do you think you'll be able to outbanter A4 in the Spirit Squad this weekend? <coughs> yes. <laughs> uh, David, you were, uh, as we spoke about uh, Inner Circle, you were supposed to have the uh, double Ironman match. Uh, how bummed out were you that it didn't get to happen? And um, if you still are up for doing it in the future, uh, is there a chance that we guys in Germany will still get the match, or will you just do it for the 
for the next promotion that is willing to put it up. <laughs> Yearn is really upset about the match not happening because he had front row VI front row VIP tickets too. Um, it was it's a, look at that. It's it's unfortunate that it didn't happen. It's unfortunate. Hey, listen, you're not supposed to be heard without the microphone. That's like the whole idea of the shit. So uh, I was I'm pretty. I was pretty upset when that didn't get to happen, uh, unfortunately due to the contract obligations that Dave and Jake had to, you know, act on, I guess uh, they got pulled from this weekend, which sucked. Uh, me and Dave were really looking forward to it because we did the 104 minute match, we wanted to do two hours to top it. Um, it would have been it would have been super cool, uh, and it's still something I'm down to do. Uh, I would love to do it here if that's where it happens. If it happens anywhere else, that's okay too. It's not something that everybody's willing to do. Obviously, it's tough to have an entire show in a two-hour match or even have a couple other matches besides that. Uh, it's enduring for both wrestlers and fans alike, well aware of that. Uh, but it's something that I definitely want to challenge myself to do it. I think I really enjoy longer matches. I uh, grew up watching like for, through VHS tapes and stuff, watching like 60 minute flare matches and watching Superstar and Bruno go that long and do all that. And I think it's something I really want to do. So anyone is willing to do it. Yearn's not. No, I, I'd really like to make it happen at some point. Do you have any thoughts on the subject? It's the worst idea I've ever heard. A two hour match is the worst idea I've ever heard. It doesn't, it doesn't sound good for anybody involved, including the crowd. <laughs> Melzer's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, and you recently ate five um, raw eggs on uh, Dutch television. I was wondering how you knew that you could do that and how the TV appearance came about from it. Well, I have a buddy that works at that show. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say who it is because he doesn't want me to. Um, but I have a buddy that works on that show. Like he asked me if I was up to do it. So I was like, yeah, it, it sounds alright. Like eating raw eggs seems like something I could do. And then they were like, yeah, we want ten raw eggs in two minutes. So I was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not gonna do ten. That's that's a bit rough. Like let's just make it five. And they're like, yeah. Alright, sure. So then, like, I just practiced at home a couple of times, ate a raw egg now and then, and just downed him on the show. That's how it all went down. I won a thousand bucks. So then, uh, I saw you guys quoting Predator today on Twitter. Um, who's Dutch and who's Dylan? <laughs> and what other 80s action films do you guys enjoy? Obviously. I would be Arnie, so I'm Dutch, and he's Dylan, because he's, yeah, well, well, yeah, good for you. Um, besides that, like, other 80s action heroes, like, I think my favorite's Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, and it's a pretty solid one. I, I love Arnold Schwarzenegger in general. Uh, again, totally conceding on the Carl Weathers, Arnold Schwarzenegger thing. Super down for that. Huge Apollo Creed fan. Uh, when, 
Rocky got murdered. Uh, well, I guess he got murdered in Predator, too. Yeah, he did. But that was only because he did that crazy dance number with James Brown before. So, I mean, that's the reason why he was tired out. Uh, did Last Action Hero come out in the 80s or 90s? Uh, I guess then I'd have to go Rambo. You know, that's pretty. That's a pretty solid choice. I feel good about that one. Or even... Even the first Terminator, does that count as an action movie? Were there, is there, was there any good Hulk Hogan films out there? Because that would have been sick to say. No holds barred, Mr. Nanny. Yeah, dude, these are great. Uh, David, you've done uh, numerous tours of Germany now. Uh, can you talk a little bit about staying in Germany, uh, living at the academy, just everyday life when you're here and when you're not wrestling? Yeah, I've been over here a bunch. Uh, it seems. Because when I first came over here, WHW pretty much took a chance on me, and they were the only place that booked me when I first came over to Europe. It was just WHW, and I did one UK show. And then the next one, uh, a few more UK dates came through, and then went, <laughs> just goes through. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, and then uh, some of the iPod goes through. So then, uh, and then more UK stuff started happening. So it seems that my European stays now have been a lot more UK based and I've been staying over there for the most part and then coming over here for the shows and then when I get a couple extra days and I get to stay in the academy and get to work out with guys like like Tim and, uh, and AJ and uh, Jackson and stuff like that's always cool. That's always cool and Walter and everybody that's always something I really like to do. Walter's there all the time. He's there all the time. He works there. Nope. So it's always it's always super sweet to be able to do that. Uh, the UK stuff has picked up a lot more. Uh, they run a lot of shows during the week, which is super sick. Uh, if anybody in the UK wants to book me, like I'm, I'm, you can reach me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. <laughs> Everyone needs to book your incentives. Uh But it's it's been <laughs> it's been it's been really cool. I always like my stay. My stays in Germany, and I always like my stays in the UK, and when I've got to go to these random countries too, that's been super cool. Uh, I'm actually rarely home these days. Uh, never likes his stays in Germany. <laughs> he likes to get the UK more and more. But it's been it's been nice, and I like to do it, and hopefully it'll keep on happening. That's pretty much the goal is to keep on getting booked. Oh no, I've got a lot of questions. Jim, what's going on with Dutch wrestling at the moment? Um, I mean, you're huge, Dragon, you guys are Dutch. Um, it's kind of... Well, on, it's, to be fair, it's a bit under the radar at the moment. Um, not much going on. I don't know, is that talent pool's not great, or what's the story with that? I don't think I'm the right person to ask that question. <laughs> Um, no, the, the, the thing is, like, uh, like, I'm not very active in Dutch wrestling anymore, and it seems like the Dutch scene um, isn't as active anymore, like, as when I started. Like, when I started, that was, like, a show maybe, like, every, like, two or three months, something like that, right? Yeah. So it was, like, that was, like, pretty regularly for, like, Dutch standards. Um, nowadays, like, it's, like, it's very few and far between. Uh, there's a show October 29th, I think. Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't know. I don't know why I'm looking at you, but um, so like, I, like, but then like, I like I never go there anymore because like I'm booked every weekend now, and trainings are during the weekend, so I never visit there anymore, and like, so I can't really see like who's coming up and who's training there and all of that stuff. Like I, like I, honestly, like I see more of the Dutch guys coming up in, at the WXW Academy shows 
that do actually in the Netherlands. So, like, um, I, th- I think there's there's one Dutch guy at the academy now, Dr. Putt. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's the, all right. So the thing is, is I think his wrestling name is George Mendelssohn. But what? Horrible name. Yeah, it's a terrible name. Like every Dutch wrestler is, is a terrible name. He's known him some Dutch, kind of like your descendants. But um, anyway, like his whole thing, like his, he was he was like a med school student. Actually, I think he still is. But um, I don't know. Like you, you're hanging out with him in the apartment. I figured. You'd get to know him. Oh. So he just has the gimmick of a doctor, and he does a rectal flex where he sticks his fingers <laughs> up somebody's ass and then suplexes him. So that's why he gets called Dr. Butt. Well, like, like, I think he does alright, because he's, he's one of the few guys out of Holland to like actually start out immediately with a gimmick instead of just being bland wrestler guy, number 368, which is like the worst thing you could do in the, you can do in the world. Um, and then uh, there's Nate Devlin, which is an even worse name. I don't know how these kids keep coming up with this shit, but it's it's awful. But what's wrong with Nate Devlin? Have you ever heard of a Dutch person called Nate Devlin? My extent of Dutch people would like Tommy, you, and Dante. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. All three of those names are terrible as well. <laughs> But no, but um, like Nate Devlin, like he, he's a really good kid in the sense that like, he's got a lot of talent. He's got he's got like a, a good head on his shoulders. Like he's smart. Like he's athletic. He picks stuff up quickly. So I guess he would be like one to look out for. And he does uh, academy shows, and I think they like him at WWE. So they might start booking him at some point in the future. But like it depends on how he develops and everything. Uh, yeah. Besides that, like I'm not I'm not a big part of the Dutch scene anymore. Personally, like I couldn't talk. This question is for Jörn, but also David Starr as well, because as you'll see why. Jörn, you seem a very, very cool, calm individual at all times. I see you when you're in the ring, you're on the microphone. How is that? How do you keep yourself with this level-headed coolness? It's it's very simple. I don't give a shit. (laughs) That's that's really it. (laughs) I don't really know. Like I. I consider myself to be, be a pretty confident person, so I don't really care what anybody else like said about me or thinks about me or any of that. So any like any negativity, like any other stuff, like kind of just slides off of my shoulders. I just move on. So that's how I stay level-headed. Me? Would you would you say the same thing about me, Matthew? You're cool in a different kind of way. I'm cool in a different kind of way. You're cool and annoying as shit. That's that's what you are. Sick. Sick. Can't wait to us do that ten and ten punch and then tag Chris Brooks and Lycos and Travis Banks, tell him I would do sick fucking tag moves. I had a weird dream last night. The uh, for some reason I imagine that DJ Hyde was here this weekend. So if DJ Hyde was here, and he was against you two guys, who would you like him to be tagging with against you two guys? <laughs> the real question is, if we were tagging against DJ, which one of us would take the pinfall? Right? <laughs> <laughs> of course it would be me. 
It's all that's that's my that's my thing. I have a perfect answer for your question. The person that should be tagging with DJ Hyde is Lil Deej Alexander James. If you didn't know, like, if you don't know Alexander James or whatever, he's, I think he's going to be, like, here this weekend, so you'll meet him at some point. Great dude, but he's, like, he's DJ Hyde's top protege. So that's, that's why he's called Lil Deej. You know, DJ's in Japan right now. He actually just got there. Um, who would DJ be tagging with if he was with us? Well, actually, to be to be fair, DJ would probably tag with Walter because, as DJ would say, Walter is the German version of him. Which, which Walter would tag with his mentor, DJ Hyde. You can please, if Walter does come up here for this, please let him know that that's. Ask him what his dream tag team partner would be and how great it would be after he picks DJ Hyde. Next up we had Avalanche, formerly known as Robert Dreisker, and again Dirty Dragon, table behind us, often talking while doesn't have the mic, so, you know. We were here six months ago, and you kindly gave us your time to talk to us. So, how's the last six months gone since Carrots? How do you feel your career is progressing? Because I know you've been in some more high-profile matches since then. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy how uh, 2017 um, has been uh, for me uh, till now. Uh, and I would say my shoulder's fine. I'm fine in general, and yeah. 2017 might be uh, the best uh, year in my career so far, so I can't complain. Um, I really enjoyed um, your hardcore match uh, with Ilya at the fan show. Um, I, <laughs> I was wondering, do you prefer wrestling or hardcore style of matches to normal matches? Is that like where you would thrive? Uh, I wouldn't say I prefer hardcore matches. Every once in a while it's a cool thing to do. But, uh, yeah, you've seen the match, so I wouldn't like to do that every week, so... I remember last time we spoke, um, I asked some of your influences where you mentioned people like Bam Bam Bigelow, um, you're a fan of. Um, currently, what kind of super heavyweights or bigger guys do you respect, like, look up to stylistically? Tough question. There are not that many uh, guys that wrestle my style. I would say, at least I don't know them, uh, so I can't really answer your question, I'm sorry. Like, I think the stuff uh, Keith Lee's doing is uh, insane, but I wouldn't really compare myself to him, so... But he's pretty much the only really big guy that came into my mind right now, so... Um, early in your career you've uh, teamed with Walter and then you've been in Cerberus after that and you've wrestled, um, you've wrestled Walter, you've wrestled uh, Batbones, you've wrestled uh, Ilya. Who would you say was your toughest opponent to date? I would say Ilya, uh, but I would, I would like to, to wrestle Walter again because I was on a different level when we uh, had our matches, uh, so you can't really... Um, yeah, you can't you can't really answer the question, but I would say like Ilya, and the match in Hamburg was definitely a tough one, and the whole feud we had throughout 
2017 was, yeah, pretty brutal. Um, it's interesting that you're going up against Ivan Kiev tonight, because uh, that's like a heel versus heel matchup. So I'm wondering if you're going to make Fighting Rise a more regular thing now as part of the WXW, defending WXW's owner. Uh, I don't really care about Rise. All I care about is winning that shotgun championship tonight. So you worked a uh, two-on-one match earlier this year against uh, two guys, and you went over them. Um, when was this? Yeah, Avalanche over uh, Dragon and uh, Young Money Chong. Do you feel that sort of style of match really establishes your type of wrestler as someone who's very dominant? You're going against two smaller guys and you're beating both of them, or do you feel you can get over with your style just working singles matches? Or do you think working those type of matches establishes you as a threat? Well, it's not a big deal if you beat Dirty Dragon. So <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. Yeah, it's um, it's funny to have uh, any different styles of matches, and so I really enjoyed that one, even though it was a little bit short because, like, Dragon, yeah, as I as I told you, uh, no, I I really enjoyed the, uh, the match. I think those two guys are you should watch out for them uh, in the next year. You're one of the longest reigning tag team champions in WXW history whether it be with Volta, whether it be with Cerberus. Uh, now you're taking a career path and seeing you more singles action. Are you done with tag team wrestling in WXW? And if not, who have you got your eye on that you'd like to partner up with to reclaim that championship that you've held for so long? Uh, right now I'm just focused on getting my singles career. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, you, you know what I mean. I'm just focusing on uh, my singles career now. Uh, I love tag team wrestling, uh, still do, even though I don't have a partner, but yeah, never say never. Uh, on, from the current roster, well, it's definitely not Dragon. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, like, some, some, uh, some of you asked me, like, at 16 Carat, who would be my dream tag team partner for, for this weekend, and my answer was Jeff, Co uh, Jeff Cobb. So if that's still a, a valid answer, I would go with that again. From the current WXW roster, there's nobody as crazy as me, so I don't want to build a tag team right now. Um, one thing that would be interesting to me is uh, what kind of wrestling do you personally enjoy to watch, and uh, what would be your vision of pro wrestling? So, um, if you take on a more more role of a locker room leader in the in the future, uh, what kind of stuff would you? What would you tell a young Robert Rice guy if one came along today? I'm pretty sure I would be like if I would meet my my younger me backstage when I when, um, with the same mindset when I broke in, I would I would really be pissed off uh, for sure because yeah uh, it's mm, kind of hard to describe but of course you you do a lot of uh, missteps when you when you're young because you just don't you just don't know or maybe you get a little bit of wrong guidance from from some guys not here but they are out there um i would yeah like i would i would maybe tell myself that nothing will be handed to you uh if you don't work really hard for it so that would be my advice for myself.
And maybe I would tell myself not to dislocate my shoulder in that freaking <laughs> cave experiment. You just talked then about what advice you'd give yourself, a younger version of yourself. Who was it that gave you the advice when you were that younger version of yourself? Who guided you the most throughout your career? Uh, I guess um, many of you will know the answer that would be Walter, uh, who I really owe a lot and I will never get tired telling people that he is uh, the reason why I'm sitting right here, right now. Hey, Dirty Dragon, I'm a big fan, long time follower, first time question asker. Uh, when I see you in the ring, you seem really angry, like a, like a monster, you know, like your shirt says. But when, I, when you talk like this in real life, I'm like, man, this guy is really nice, he's like a teddy bear. So do you have any, like, pre-match rituals you do to get in the zone, you know? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Uh, just like I said, uh, hanging out with Ilya helped me a lot in this case. So you should have um, spent more time with him in the time I was absent. So um, you've had your start in, in Austria. You've been to the UK. You've briefly been to Japan, and of course you've been here in Germany. Um, how would you compare the various locker rooms and um, the various philosophies about the, the business locally? Um, I, I can't really um, do uh, like I can't really compare that much uh, different locker rooms because like since two or three years uh, I'm I'm wrestling for WXW for about 95 percent and uh, the other five percent are like uh, smaller shows in Austria like my UK show was a WXW show as well so there's no there's no uh, there's no real difference. Um, what I really like about the WXW uh, locker room is that everybody, um, like we're, we're we're a big team. Of course, we're like individuals in, within that team, but it's always focused on success for for the whole team and not uh, the success for like one. So nobody tries to. Of course, in a, in a way, everybody tries to get the most out of uh, out of it for himself, but you never like. You never let the team down, if it makes any sense for you. So, like, but I can't really compare it with, like, uh, British uh, locker rooms or, I don't know, Hungarian locker rooms, whatever. I would like to, to see them, but I can't, I can't compare them. Next up was Tass, uh, Tassilo Young, uh, WXW's head referee and one of the key decision makers uh, in the promotion. Again, for the benefit of all of us, Dragon was there, um, being the wonderful person that he is, um, but unfortunately, audio quality, not the best. Didn't use a mic. Uh, I may stop saying this after every interview soon. <laughs> guys were in 81 shows this year in total, which I think is super impressive. Do you think you can actually build on 81 shows next year and actually do more? Do you think you are now currently at your limit of capacity for the shows you can run and the talent you've got? I believe this year we pretty much stopped uh, doing more and more shows and we did about the same that we did uh, last year. Uh, we have a, a few nice projects uh, lined up, so I believe next year is going to be at least that, maybe slightly more. Uh, WXW's World Tag Team League 2016 was one of the most incredible shows I've ever been to. 
what have you done this year to make the World Tag Team League 2017 even bigger and better than last? I believe we are always trying to advance what we're doing, like both from a wrestling standpoint as well as from a production standpoint, as well as from uh, the organization of the event, I like how more and more people are walking up. Uh, Thank you. Um, so I believe uh, just by the, the amount of things we've learned since, since uh, last year or even since 16 Carat, it's a natural progression that our shows are going to keep, keep being better and better. Like if I watch back, say, the event that we did in any town two years ago, it's uh, leaps and bounds of difference uh, to today. And the same goes for World Technique. I believe World Technique 2016 was the very best we, we could have done in 2016. But by, by the knowledge we've gained since then, and, and uh, by uh, how much the rest of us have advanced since then. I also believe that 2017 is going to be the best we can do right now. I uh, remember some years ago, uh, New Japan talked about or had a graphic uh, on promotions they were working with on a global scale, and WXW was one of them. And um, at some point, although things there changed quite a bit, uh, Global Force, and uh, we got uh, TNA. Uh, also announced that they would be working with you. I know Jeff Jarrett was here. He had you uh, quite a short notice for a no-show, and uh, you had very good things to say about him. So, can you can you talk about any internationals, uh, international corporations, and especially stuff with New Japan? That uh, what the status of that is, or what we can expect there in the future, maybe. Sure, let, let's be super frank about this. Uh, when New Japan released that graphic, we were as shocked as anybody else, but we were happy to, to retweet it. Uh, there were no talks prior to that, rather than the, the occasional talks we had about uh, uh, specific projects we were doing. Uh, since then, we haven't been approached by New Japan about, about anything, and I believe that they are very happy with uh, the promotions we are working with at the moment, for example, CMLL. Uh, and Ref in England, of course. So there's uh, no project we are running with New Japan at a certain time. Um, with Global Force, I think the, this company changes around like a lot, lot, lot. So uh, it's, it's kind of hard to uh, to wrap our heads around it. So by the last time we talked, I pretty much had to do research before and, and find out what really was the state of the company and, and who was actually able to tell me if it was Global Force or Impact or who was only at, at, at a certain point. Um, so there are, there are no specific projects we are, we are doing with, but uh, with certain guys we, we always keep open communication and uh, do calls like like once a month or once every three months just to, to chat about certain subjects. With progress with the arena on Wembley Arena next year, um, how do you see that affecting, um, affecting your working relationship with him and do you see that expanding the more from this 2018? Yeah, first off, let's say, say Wembley Arena, kudos, that's big, big move, so we're, we're super proud of what they're doing. Uh, same goes for, for the Ali Pali show that they ran and they pretty much sold out an arena like this, I think. 1,800 tickets without announcing a single match was pretty crazy. Uh, so working with progress has been great for us. It's super easy, it's, it's nice communication. Uh, I think we both have a very strong idea of what our specific brands are. So uh, working with them is, is always cool and uh, we enjoy doing the London events. They very much uh, enjoy doing the Cologne thing. And we have talked about what we're going to want to do in 2018 a couple of days ago. So uh, we're very happy to announce that once we've uh, settled it all out. Could you briefly talk about some of your promoting philosophies? I mean, you, you're doing a hell of a lot of shows this year, like you said you did last year. Um, how would you get the word out for WXW in the smaller towns that you run? Because obviously, not every wrestling fan is always on the internet to get their information. So how would you get that message across that you're in town, you're going to run the show? 
Yeah, like uh, say five or six years ago, it was super easy. We were running uh, a show that was pretty much appealing to independent wrestling fans. So a small group inside another small group that being wrestling fans. So connecting with, with them was pretty easy. You just uh, went online and posted on certain uh, boards and social media, and it was it. Um, by now, it's, it's obviously a lot more difficult for us uh, because we need to be able to also get to mainstream wrestling fans as well as to people who uh, just want a good night of entertainment. So uh, on top of what we do on social media, we uh, also work with newspapers, TV stations, radio stations. We of course uh, have street teams in certain towns. We put up posters, we uh, hand out flyers. Uh, we have, uh, thing in Hamburg for example, we always have advertisement on, on buses. Um, and we, we also use uh, paid campaigns on, on Facebook that being both uh, dark posts as well as sponsored posts. How did losing Axel Data Jr. Um, never start of the year affect the running of a promotion and like planning for this current tour, the um, Fight Forever tour? Not at all. I took his place like a professional. Yeah, Jan took his place like a professional that he is, it was easy. Um, apart from that, uh, we knew that Sechino was going to go at a certain point, um, so obviously we had a certain story that we wanted to tell, so we needed to speed it up just a bit. Um, I think our creative team has done a wonderful job in, in telling that storyline and, and giving us a true closing in WXW as well as a very nice sound of and farewell. Uh, being in the ring with him and, and him telling uh, stories about everyone was, was really, really nice. He even got to do the absolute Andy screen, which he, which he really wanted. Um, yeah, for us, one of our, our top wrestlers was gone. Uh, one of the guys helping other guys in, in the agency process was gone as well. Uh, so it's always a loss on a personal level as well as on a professional level. Um, but I think being an independent wrestling promotion, uh, we pretty much have to be, to be used to the idea of uh, talents moving on and going to other places. And this gives other talent, like for example the aforementioned Bjorn Simmons, the, uh, the, uh, the opportunity to step up and, and, and take a higher spot on the card. Because if, if you always kept all your top guys, then, then where would the, the younger guys go? Like People need to move through the promotion and, and come in at the bottom and, and leave on the top. For other guys to, to then advance their own careers, and careers, I think that's uh, very much what we've been doing all the time. Uh, since you're head of social media, uh, can you briefly talk about the, the role that all the various channels like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, what part they take now in, in the public face of a promotion and also uh, can you give an estimate of uh, how many people are involved and how much time does go into having a, a modern, uh, full-fledged uh, social media presence today? Uh, so if we, we put it all together and, and we say we have the content already ready, so we wouldn't have, uh, we have a graphic designer of course, we have a couple of video editors, um, but just uh, monitoring the social media channels, uh, interacting with people and making sure there's content on there, that would be one full-time job pretty much. Um, currently it's uh, spread between uh, four people. I have three wonderful people helping with social media and pretty much running the day-to-day. Uh, they're doing a great job doing that, uh, so you pretty much will receive an answer from us seven days of the week. Uh, probably don't, you don't have to wait more than eight hours to, to also get a response, which is uh, pretty good for, for a small company, I believe. Um, and it's very important to have that, like social media is, is where you, you need to be nowadays, of course everybody involved here knows that. Um, so it's, it's important to, to both be able to interact with people, communicate, listen to people, as well as to, to get uh, both professional news out and well, uh, out in the way of, of business news, as well as the stories we're trying to tell. So uh, we want people to be able to follow our, our social media accounts and then understand the storylines that WXW is telling to, to, uh, is trying to tell. Um, 
we, we have uh, Facebook as a German channel, then uh, Twitter as an English channel, and we until now we had Instagram as a German channel, and uh, luckily now we have Instagram analytics, so uh, this should probably change to, to a bilingual channel, channel uh, soon. Also, we have YouTube. Um, those are also the four main channels we are using. I guess also a Google Plus, but that's uh, mainly to uh, to get traffic to the homepage. How did booking Ryuji Sai come about um, a few months ago? Felix still has a ton of contacts, and every once in a while, uh, the most random people reach out to him. And uh, Ryuji Sai, I just wanted to do uh, pretty much a European vacation and uh, combine it with uh, doing a couple of wrestling matches. So. We got together, talked, and decided to put him on, on the Moonstay event. Uh, so we had uh, the three people from uh, Pro Wrestling Dance and including one of their ring announcers uh, there. It was nice enough to have him. Um, yeah, just happened. They, they brought it to us, we were happy to go with it. Hey, Danny Dragon, long time fan. I just wanted to ask you, uh, what does it feel like to be the tallest rest of wrestling referee in Europe, making us all feel tiny? Uh, like, can you go to sleep and feel proud about yourself? Hurting our, all our feelings for being small. Like I believe that uh, since most wrestlers tend to go to the gym, like you might have heard about it, even though you oh. don't. Know. <laughs> wrestlers have a certain physique, so they still stand out from from a skinny fat guy like myself. Of course, for you being being both a dwarf and untrained, it's rather hard. But uh, you're, you're like half decent at being entertainment, and uh, yeah, I think I've answered this well, right? So please go fuck off. <laughs> All right, Taz, what do you think of people that say you look like Lurch? <laughs> What's the corporate stance on bullying in the country? <laughs> <laughs> Who can I shoot? First off, I kind of sort of feel bullied by our CEO at the point, so I probably got to report this. Um, maybe I call it sick tomorrow so you can see who referees the show, because Reiner isn't keeping up cardio-wise, like he's probably died today. <laughs> Schultz will be drunk tomorrow morning, so there we go. Also, you and I very much like your dad from all the tall stories you tell, yeah. so I can say anything bad about this person who claims something like that. On a serious note, since we're on the topic of you being a referee, um, you've been doing this uh, for, I think, close to 20 years now? Um, how long do you see yourself continuing in, in that role, and um, can you talk about, because I think that's something that's uh, very much overlooked in the business, can you talk something about the toll it takes on the body to just be a referee uh, on a regular basis? Uh, yeah, that, that's the aspect of wrestling that always stays fun for me, so I very much enjoy it, and so long as I enjoy it, I'm probably doing that. Doing that. Uh, if, of course, one day I, I feel there's something I, I do not enjoy doing anymore, then I'll step away from it. I think that's what everybody should do. Um, pretty much the only thing that really screws with are your hands because you, you keep hitting the mat so much and if you uh, don't apply, don't find a proper technique for you, then you're going to ruin your hands eventually. So, yeah, that's the, one of the first things I, I try to teach new referees. Hey, this is how you slap the mat without, without uh, screwing yourself up. Uh, WXW has three wonderful wins at the moment, so uh, it's super easy and you don't, you don't get hurt much refereeing. Uh, some independent wrestling wins are, are utter shit, so, uh, yes. Padding has been gone years ago, and they, they are replaced with different paddings. And there's uh, boards jumping out, and of course, if there's a board jumping out, and you, you slap that with your arm, that, that pretty much fucks you up. Uh, but if, as long as you work with good wins, it's super easy. I'm right in thinking you were the referee who called the Ilya Wolf match at 16 Camp. Um, where does that rank in the matches that you've seen in the ring and um, called as a referee? And uh, how gross was it to see Ilya's chest up close? <laughs> 
Yeah, I think uh, probably most of you have been here at 16 right? So that was about excellent, like a perfect match, uh, one of the best I've, I've, I've seen live, absolutely. Great match, great drama. Uh, yeah, of course, for, for Ilya, you, you've got to kind of feel sorry at one point because he, he gets beaten up so much. And like with, with most people dropping, there's, there's hit and miss, and Warhol has like a 100% hit ratio. Like he, every single single drop connects and connects so viciously. So, yeah, of course, I felt bad for Ilya, but uh, since Ilya is, is the fighter he is, uh, he probably didn't mind too much. Um, yeah, like Ilya takes the, the craziest beatings at times. Um, I remember Ilya arresting Jörn in, in Halle. It was local show, probably 120 people. Ilya went for, for a suicide dive out of the ring and he got caught into Jörn's elbow and just, like, his nose was bleeding like a faucet, like crazy blood. I looked at him like, okay, this is the amount of blood that you need to stop the match immediately because there's kids seeing the puddle of blood coming down. Ilya looks at me like, what are you stopping that for? Yeah, he, he would always continue, he would always fight, like he is probably the toughest guy around here. Is there any plans to uh, for the lead of Lights of Progress and Rev Pro and uh, heading to the WrestleMania week, uh, WrestleMania week and putting on a show with WXW? Yeah, yeah, I would be lying if I, I would say we have not discussed this because obviously that, that's uh, a nice weekend to be a part of. Uh, I feel like two or three years ago, like every single show that would happen around WrestleMania was like a guaranteed success and I don't feel it's the same today. Like I, I see uh, tons of shows where there are a few people and like the amount of shows happening there. Like who would want to see another show after WrestleMania at midnight? Like at one point after sitting through, through, uh, through seven hours of WrestleMania, you, you've got to be done with wrestling, right? You can't sh uh, watch another show there anymore. So I believe uh, it's not a guaranteed success and it takes a lot of, of resources both uh, from the planning uh, point of view as well as from the financial point of view. So we've always decided to, to rather focus on the European market or uh, German market to be more specific, uh, specific because we feel we have a lot to do here and our time is uh, more well spent uh, focusing on, on this over here than, than on uh, running on a WrestleMania weekend. Who's the best referee of all time and why? And are you a fan of people like Charles Robinson in the past doing kind of cartwheels into pins and things like that, or is that taken away from the guys in the ring? Yeah, Retrus. Retrus is the best referee I've, I've ever seen. Uh, Retrus from... Uh, oh, Retrus, yeah. Yeah, I think the, the way he... Uh, like, of course, he, he's, he's in, uh, a part of a lot of the big matches over there, and he does so much for the storytelling and, and to advance uh, the matches by the way he reacts to everything. So, yeah, I think he's the best around. Um, I think their uh, wrestling product as itself needs to be entertaining. Like there, there's no need to, for a referee to, to uh, try to be uh, the, the focus of the attention if the story doesn't call for it. Of course, if the story calls for it, it's something you can do to tell a story. Uh, so it very much depends on the situation whether this is alright or it's just looking around. The final interview prior to Night One's World Tag Team League show was with Dirty Dragon himself. And because he was the subject of the interview, he had a mic. So I don't have to say the audio quality with him is bad, so you get to hear all of his thoughts very clearly. You are about to find out that that is a very good thing. Here he is, the greatest man that ever lived. Dirty Dragon! So people, you can ask me questions, they can be weird, I'll answer anything. 
So let me, let me take this cap off. My hair is a bit weird. I'm going for the Eddie Guerrero. Going out the mullet. It'll look cool in about one month. Maybe I'll take some extensions. Yeah, I Really sweet. So, any weird questions? Here we go. Come on, Stooge. <laughs> Give it to that guy. He looks like he has a weird question. So, tell us all about what it was like when you had his girlfriend underneath you and what did you like? <laughs> He said that he was underneath his girlfriend. So the girlfriend was on top. Oh, still on top. It happens sometimes. I know, like, no one's on top. Yeah. Uncharted territories for you. But that happens sometimes. This is my time to shine here. But listen, guys, it's always important to be in somebody's heart. Um, I grew up very insecure. I had very little friends. Uh, very emotionally cold parents so I'm kind of longing for that friendship and love from people so by him saying like I'm underneath his girlfriend that just makes me feel good man that's wonderful and I hope his girlfriend felt wonderful as well more questions <laughs> so who is dirtier dirty Dutch Mantel dirty dragon or dirty Chris Dickinson or the dirty white boy Dirty Dutch Mantel is in my heart. He, he's like a, like a spirit animal to me. Like I feel like he's a protection spirit floating above me. Of dirtiness. Of dirtiness, yeah. I'm not that dirty of a guy. I shower bi-weekly. Uh, I just, you know, I poke back right dirty. That's where the dirty comes from. Like, dirty dragon is honestly something I created. Because you need to be hard in this business or, you know, sneaky. And I'm neither, honestly. <laughs> but, you know, I. Hmm, dirty white boy. Well, I would say dirtiest wrestler is probably Boogeyman. Because he eats worms. worms. Probably has, like, illnesses and stuff. Also, isn't it like Abdullah the Butcher, like, uh, <laughs> let's not go into that. Allegedly, allegedly, guys, I didn't say anything. Uh, pretty dirty, though. Maybe if I would be in Femme Fatale in the tournament, you'd see another side of Dirty Dragon. Yeah. Yeah, it's an invitation, open invitation from me to all the ladies. Just there are no ladies here, no, so uh, <laughs> kind of false play on its face. Huh? Okay. More questions. So, is there anyone you think who could make you clean up your acts? Any of the femme fatales, perhaps? So, by cleaning up my act, you mean you know being more income? Because I can tell you, I'm the only official and official member of Ringcamp there is. Uh, you, you have Walter, you have Timothy Thatcher, but like. If I was in ambition, I'd kick their ass. <laughs> I honestly, they don't know. I know. Uh, and what was the next question about Femme Fatale? Um, Session Moth Martina. Yeah. She's not in Yeah, but she's a fatal fan. <laughs> so, she's my day one. My one true pairing. Maybe Ginny. I like Ginny. Uh, yep. Oh, we have more questions. Oh, I'm so excited. Here you go. 
So that you introduced Tony Storm to Francis Master already. <laughs> If I had the power to introduce, introduce Tony Storm's ass to anything, I wouldn't introduce it to Francis. <laughs> Honestly, like, I don't have that power. She can put her ass wherever she wants to. I, that's her choice. I'm not going to tell her what to do. Uh, but, you know, I wouldn't mind having it in my face. I, would, like, I wouldn't, like, you know, like, push her off or anything. But, you know, maybe if she was at the Bushido Sound show tonight and... What are you saying here? I think she comes in tomorrow, she's not here. Oh. So, so the answer is no. <laughs> uh, but would I want to do that? Maybe. I think it would be funny. I think when Francis is involved, I always kind of laugh. But he's a nice dude. He's been training at the academy, did you know that? Yeah, good for him. I guess. <laughs> Honestly, it's chasing the dream. Oh, chasing the dream. It's a uh, dream daddy, Ian Simmons. What do you think of drunk has-been referees that say you need to go to the gym and work out? <laughs> okay, guys, you ready for a shoot? Yes, yes. Hey, I can hear you. Hey, you guys ready for a shoot? Yeah. Okay, so here you go. Drunk has-been referees. Unbelievable. Um. So when I did a tryout for WXW, when I wanted to come in, when I was still wearing a singlet, back when I was smart, and I did wrestling holds and stuff, imagine that. Um, guys like Jacoby in the office were like, yeah, this guy has just no potential, he's never going to be anything. And the one guy who pulled through for me was head referee Tassilo Yun. Yeah, well, he made him change his mind. <laughs> <laughs> By the power of politics, I kind uh, of found some other friends in high places. And uh, I'm very happy with my spot. But that's looking to suck a dick. More questions? Oh, that guy. Give it to that guy. Since you are so secretly lovable, do you ever consider giving up your villainous ways and you know, cleaning up your act again? I am a great person. A very funny person, a very charming person, but for some reason, winning matches. Now, you can be lovable as long as you want, but if you lose all your matches, people are going to lose interest and be like, ah, oh, this guy's a nobody, this guy's weak, he can't win his matches. So, then I decided, you know, I'm going to stop being the nice guy for once, and if I see an opportunity to you know, accidentally get my thumb in somebody's eye, and I win my matches, people are going to treat me differently. And for right now, my win-loss record might not be great, but I have some wins. And I wouldn't call myself a villain, I'm more of an opportunist. Honestly, I just want people to like me. So, I think it's impossible for people to like me if I always lose. So no, I'll never give up my villain's ways. You know? Dragon. They call me a nice wrestling boy Dragon. <laughs> druggy wrestling. That sounds horrible. Ooh, a druggy wrestling? Sounds like a reality show. <laughs> I watch that. Uh, I don't know. I kind of like where I am right now. You know, if I wanted to, I could probably do a moonsault. But an eye poke is better. Don't do moonsault, it sucks. Yeah, like, 
when he started doing the moonsault, his career was like, like that again. He's a nobody. Uh, my favorite move is the kick to the balls. <laughs> Unfortunately, with guys like Kasulo Young as the head referee, that doesn't fly anymore. But if he's not looking, like, for example, I made a huge mistake in shortcut to the top this year because I went in and started fighting with people. But in shortcut, shortcut to the top, there's no disqualification. So, so what if I just run in and kick everybody in the balls? Like, I would win, right? Like, that's the best move. So, shortcut to the top next year, everybody. Keep an eye on me. Hello, Dragon. You, you already know that I love you, so I'm going to ask the nerdy question. What's your favorite part of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, given that you dressed up as Kira last time? <laughs> so, does anybody like anime? So, I have a new phone. I have a new phone case. I got it in the mail today. You like it? It's pretty sweet. Like uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is like the best anime manga there is. And my favorite episode is probably when uh, Josuke and Okuyasu went to Tonio Trusardi's uh, restaurant yep. and his stand, Pearl Jam, yep. makes, uh, makes food that can heal you, but first it like does gruesome things to your body. That's the best episode, because that's like a whole story in one episode. You don't have to understand the entire story, it's just one singular story. I like that, and wrestling should be like that. So let me pull a little dragon on you. What's your favorite animal? Animal? Yeah, yeah. The question you usually ask to steer an interview after Creed. I have a couple. One of my favorite animals is the boar, like a wild pig, you know. I love them because they're stout and like, and you shouldn't fuck with them because they'll kill you. Also, like wombats. Uh, when I was younger, people also compared me to a wombat. And I took that as inspiration, and that's why I started using my ass uh, as an offensive tool. Because wombats fight by like hitting their hard ass against enemies. Also, they have like rectangular pumps. I like that. Uh, I also like cheetahs because they're fast. Did I answer your question? Okay. I also have rats, and I love them. They're like the best pets. I have six. And uh, I found one of my male rats in the female cage this morning, so maybe I'll have more. So, uh, maybe I'll sell them as merch, I don't know. When are you going to wrestle the Young Bucks? I don't know. Thanks. Okay, one last dirty question. What have you got in store for us tonight at the, the podcast? Tonight after the show ends, uh, around midnight, we will have the Bushido Sun podcast live. It's our first live podcast. And um, we have some fun stuff planned. Uh, first of all, I will get, prob I will probably almost kill myself drinking. Uh, I just got out of a very bad relationship and I need to forget a lot of things. So I will drink a lot and maybe, you know, Rico's there and We'll have a big party. We'll talk about fun stuff. We'll have a sing-off. We'll have a question and answer thing. That's the premium one, because now you're getting all the all the safe questions. But then everybody will be drunk, right? So then we can like, you know, we can we can shoot a brother. And I saw that guy recording everything with audacity. So I still have to kind of <laughs> have to kind of watch what I'm saying, because you never know what's gonna.
end up online. <laughs> but at the Sound Podcast, we all have the grid, so we can talk about anything. Also, Michael Dante will be there. You know, fun. <laughs> Rico will be there. He will probably be... He will be there, but he will also not be there. <laughs> He'll be uh, on Mars somewhere, in a higher plane of existence. Uh, I'll be very drunk and probably I'll see. What would you think? Uh, maybe something by Queen. Oh, maybe yeah. some Will, some 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 uh, Waylon Jennings, like Waylon Jennings, some country music. Maybe I'll uh, go into like uh, in the old school '80s bag. I'll sing some Depeche Mode. Who knows? You'll have to be there and experience it. It's gonna be great. So maybe I'll see you guys there. What? Yeah. Two people. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much, everybody. I didn't know I was gonna do this, but somebody asked me, and I'm here. I love you all. Thank you. Talk about the main event. The next interview was with Tony Storm. This took place just after the conclusion of the Femmes for Tower tournament and prior to night, the Night 2 show of the World Tag Team League. First off, before I ask any questions, I'm sure I speak for everyone else here. We want to say thank you for the hospitality again. Another fantastic festival from WXW. So uh, my first question is regarding the tournament we've just watched, Femme Fatale 2017. Uh, it's something you're hugely proud of, it's something you invest your own personally in quite a lot in the Femme Fatale tournament. How do you feel that one fared compared to last year's? Uh, I was really happy about it, to be honest, but the thing is not just because quality-wise it was a lot better, I think, than last year's, but also uh, with uh, all the little stories. And I think I can just hand over to Tony right now because one of the great things at Femme Fatale is having Tony back. She was with us for such a long time, has had success everywhere, and for her to be back is awesome. So the stage is yours. Cool. <laughs> Hi, Tony. Um, I think two weeks ago in uh, Japan, you won the World uh, Star title match with Mayumi Watani where she uh, suffered this injury. Um, how did you see this injury and how did you, um, what was your first reaction when you, when you saw what happened to Mayu Watani? Yeah, um, so I was wrestling Mayu for the, the belt and uh, she does this drop kick on the, the bottom rope and just this one time as I moved out of the way she put her arm down and completely snapped it basically. like. If you look on Stardom World, it's a complete zigzag, and she pops it through the skin, and um, I, at first, because like, my back was turned, I had no idea it had happened, so uh, the ref had to stop me, and then I hear the screaming and commotion, and uh, the next thing I know, I turn around, and they're giving me the belt, which I was just, uh, I was pretty disappointed, to be honest, because like that's not how I wanted to win, like I wanted to have a full match, and go, like, yeah, just win properly, but... Yeah, I feel I feel quite bad for Mayu though. She's like probably the best there, and she snapped her little arm in half, and it was <laughs> devastating. But she'll be back soon. Since we've last seen you in WXW, you've had quite a bit of success in Japan. You've been in the WWE Women's Tournament. 
Uh, can you maybe uh, talk a little bit about the uh, international experience and what's been happening in your life over the past few years and how you've been coping with it at uh, such a young age? Yeah, like uh, coming back here has definitely like reminded me how much has changed because last time I was here I was I felt like a trainee, I guess. I wasn't developed to what I am now. And uh, since then I've gone away, I've done like four Japan tours. I did the Mayon Classic, I did some work, <clears throat> other work for WWE. Um, I just feel so much more evolved. So coming back here and like doing better is a good feeling. But um, yeah, it's a, it is a lot of pressure. Like, I don't sleep very often. Um, it's driving me absolutely <laughs> insane, but um, I, I love it. I, if, if, if there was no wrestling, I'd just be sitting about. So <laughs> it's not just it drives me nuts. Like, there's nothing else I'm going to do. <laughs> so yeah, um, it's good. I wouldn't. I won't change anything. It's good. Uh, like you just said, international success is something you've you've experienced a lot recently. But I'm interested to know, um, since you've worked everywhere, who would you consider to be your home promotion? Who do you have the biggest affection with the fans and the biggest connection? And uh, also, from a from a booking perspective and stuff like that, who do you feel works with you best and you work with best similarly? Um, WXW is definitely one of those places where it's like home to me, like especially coming back today and getting a good welcome response. That was, uh, WXW is definitely one of them. Uh, Progress and Stardom I consider like my main places that I have like a lot of love for, especially the crowd and everything. Um, <clears throat> and for opponent-wise, uh, Kaylee Ray and Viper, uh, my two top um, opponents. Uh, I guess it's because we, we've worked together so many times before that now we just kind of gel really well together. Uh, me and Kaylee have wrestled an odd 80 matches over the past few years. We did the All-Star camps for Brian Dixon. <coughs> we've, uh, we've, yeah, we've, we know each other so well so when we get in there we always have these really quality matches and uh, the same with Viper. We've wrestled at the Mae Young and in Japan and uh, and here and yeah, so they're probably my two two favourites that I mix with really well. What were your thoughts on winning the Natural Progression series at Super Strong Style, whatever it is, progress this year? Yeah, that was a huge one for me and also very unexpected because uh, I was even surprised when I got the call to just be a part of it because I was uh, around that time going through quite a tough time like struggling a bit um, and uh, then I got the call to go and do the natural progression and that was something that just really pushed me to just keep going like don't stop now I was just ready to just pack it all in and then I did the natural progression and that that helped that really like helped put me on the map so uh, yeah I'm really grateful for that <laughs> Hi Tony, um, what is your family's reaction to you travelling all around the world, um, how often do you get to, to go home and see them? Yeah, I, uh, I have my mum and my sister, single mum, back in uh, Australia and uh, they've supported me through everything, like every step of the way. My mum actually, she makes all my gear, my, my costumes, um, but I see them once a year. I'm going back in December. Um, it's, very, it's really hard, obviously, like just going bouncing back from Japan to the US to um, the UK and, and Germany of course and never seeing them and only just getting phone calls here and there but like uh, the, the time I do spend with them is quality it's actually taught me to just like you know <laughs> appreciate them more so it's, it's hard but it makes like me a lot more thankful
So Tony, you mentioned uh, Kerry Wong and Viper, and you've been on quite some Japanese tours with both of them. And um, I'd like to know how your regular schedule looks like when you're in Japan, both um, when you have a show, how, how the uh, how the scheduling all works, how you travel and how you arrive at the shows, and uh, how your everyday life in Japan is when you are uh, staying in Japan during the week. Yeah, to be honest, I have the absolute time of my life when I'm around, like, Kaylee and uh, Viper. Like, uh, we've done a lot of tours together now in Japan. Uh, I just got back from a recent one, and, like, they kind of fill the void when I'm not around my family. Like, I don't get to see my family when I kind of make them my family. We spend so much time together. Uh, we're always traveling and doing shows, but, like, all through the week, we train together, uh, we go out and have a good time together. We, we have so many, like, good memories together. They've definitely become, like, sisters, like, family. Like, it's cool. And then we all get in the ring and beat the shit out of each other, and it's fine. Do <laughs> you name one thing that you miss about Australia, and one thing that you like that you're going to get in, say, Germany or England? Um, yeah, I, you don't see the sun here ever. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. <laughs> um, so when I go home, like, the first day, I was completely head to toe sunburn. Um, so, so yeah, I, I definitely miss the sun. I, I miss like I would. I grew up constantly running around in the sun, and then I come here, and you just don't see it. <laughs> Do you have much of a connection to the Australian scene uh, since it's kind of uh, experiencing a period of growth at the moment? somewhat reminiscent of the way the European scene of the last few years? Um, I don't really have much of a connection left. Like, I obviously still, like, pay attention to what's going on back home. Um, I still know, like, a lot of people there, and I know it's growing uh, really well, and it's developing a lot of really good talent, but, like, I guess being overseas for so long, you lose touch. And uh, I know that when I go back, like, we'll just pick up from where we left off, but... Yeah, it, I'm just kind of falling out of the loop a bit, and, and the same happens even when I'm on a Japan tour. I fall out of the, the UK loop, and just yeah, it just happens. I spend too much time away. <laughs> um, we've seen you wrestle three very different opponents tonight, um, today uh, in this tournament. Uh, one of them was Wesner, who's been around close to 20 years. Um, have you ever uh, worked with her before, and what was it like to, to wrestle her like? Um, was there any, any difference working a veteran like that from uh, working somebody who came up like um, around your time? I was actually uh, very surprised. Usually, when it's yeah, the first time encounter, things can be a little like, awkward and you're unsure, but we, we clicked straight away. That I had so much fun in that match. I wasn't expecting any of that. I've never seen her work. Uh, I don't know anything that she does until we step into the ring. So that was uh, that was one of my most favourite matches I've had already. So I'm quite surprised. I'm really happy with that one. <laughs> You've worked in a number of different countries. I was wondering if you have to adapt your style depending on what country you're in. Like, is there something that works particularly well in England or Germany that might not work in Japan or vice versa? Yeah, there's definitely like I've got to adapt wherever I go. Um, obviously, in Europe, the crowds are a lot louder, they come up for things a lot more than the Japanese would. The Japanese, um, they're obviously a lot quieter, they take a lot more hard work to, to get them excited. Um, but I have to change quite a lot of things um, in my style to adapt 
to them, especially Japanese, the idea on wrestling is actually quite different to ours. So it's uh, it's challenged me a lot, but I enjoy like not doing the same thing all the time. We get to change it up whenever I get bored of it. <laughs> it's good. Japan's got a rich history of women's wrestling, uh, going back to the 70s really, Jackie Sato and onwards. Have you met any of the legends uh, since you've been over there? I mean, do you see them go to shows sometimes and things like that? And if, uh, who is kind of some of your favourite uh, women's wrestlers from the last 20 years? Yeah, um, I've been a huge Miko Satomura fan for a really long time and I got to meet her. Um, may or may not be put in a match with her this year, it's a possibility being worked on. Um, if that happens, then I can probably just leave. Uh, <laughs> and um, also, uh, I was at Corican Hall the other week, and Bull Nakano was out there, and she looks so different that I just walked straight past her. Um, and then I walked back into the locker room, and Kaylee's like, ah, Bull Nakano's out there. Shit. I've just walked past all the biggest legends in professional wrestling. Good work, Tony. So you had the opportunity to compete and win the Star Grand Prix recently. Uh, congratulations to, the, to that accomplishment. Um, I would like to know how you um, how you think about the competition level in this tournament, especially the level of competition. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, competition in that one. I had uh, Kaylee Ray for one of my matches, so that was a bit of fun. Um, and then I had Yoko Vito for the finals and like, we haven't worked very often. We've, uh, we t we, we're a tag team in Japan. We, we're very similar in that aspect, but yeah, it, it was a lot of competition and uh, I'm actually quite surprised as to how well I've done here. <laughs> I didn't expect it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've competed for WWE or the WrestleMania weekend in 2000 um, if you are able to talk about that, uh, have there any, any uh, talks or opportunities uh, come out of that? Will you be back over for some NXT tokens or something like that? Yeah, to be honest, I have absolutely no idea. Everyone, uh, it got leaked that I was signed and I'm not. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's all these rumors going back and forth and everything, and to be honest, I don't even know. Um, but they were happy, and I'm pretty sure we'll be working together in the future again. But as of right now, we <laughs> have no idea what's happening. I'd like to think that I did impress them in the May Young, and then I'll be back. But as for now, it's no idea. <laughs> I'm not just saying that. <laughs> so, as it stands currently, the World Tag Team League is strictly for male competitors only. You've wrestled against everyone and pretty much with everyone. Who would you like to partner up with if WXW were ever to do a female World Tag League and uh, who would you win it with? Funny you ask because I've already decided my uh, my tag partner, that's Kelly. I just met her today. She's awesome. Um, she's someone I've like I've seen her and instantly I'm just like, yeah, she's got she's got something. She's she's a new up and comer, she's gonna do really well for herself. So uh, I think we would be a good tag team. I'm pretty sure like yeah, have a good look. Yeah, <laughs> I think that would work out. Is there a friendly rivalry or is it competition amongst you and the other Australian wrestlers coming coming out as well as New Zealand, like uh, like so I know Travis Banks or um, South Pacific Palliative or Josh Shooter, for example? I wouldn't say there's a rivalry. I'd say like when we are all around each other, we're actually well, we all, we all quite enjoy it because we don't hear our own accent very often. I actually had the same conversation with uh, um, at Lucha Forever recently with Travis Banks. 
and we go so long not being at home hearing our own accents and then we bump into each other in a locker room and we're like, oh, you sound like me. So it's nice, like I wouldn't call it a rivalry, I'd say it's more like it's nice to see each other and see us all doing well coming from so far away. It's nice. Yeah, so one last quick thing you said about Lucha Forever there. Um, it seems like obviously you've got a lot of friends that work there and, and, everything, and run it. What's the future of Lucha Forever from the other side of the curtain? Uh, they had the biggest show ever on Thursday night. So, uh, and you were a part of it. Congratulations again. Uh, talk to us about Lucha Forever if you could. I really do think um, Lucha Forever is something special and something that's going to continue to do really well. Um, They've, they've just come up really suddenly and have just done so well already. The production and just the quality is incredible. And I'm like, re- I, I feel really lucky to have uh, to have been on a few shows. It's just quality, like from start to finish. Um, they've got a really good bunch of guys and girls working on it together, and it's going to get bigger. It's going to be one of the next big things in Europe. I think. Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Next up was a rare interview with Ilya Dragunov. Um, unfortunately, this was one of the ones where the audio quality, uh, where we lost the audio on the directional mic, so we used our backup, which again isn't quite as good quality as you're about to hear. But it's still not terrible, and it's worth it, I think, for Ilya's insight. Uh, also, uh, with this batch of interviews, which was just before uh, the night free show, um, the ring. The practice ring that was nearby is most noticeable, so sorry about that, but it's not too terrible. How are you feeling after last night's battle? Um, are you sore? Are you, are you good to go again? Basically, I'm like exhausted like always, so everybody knows who, how I wrestle. I'm not like that. Uh, I don't stay basic, I don't always wrestle on my limits, so this is like always a big, yeah, a big exhausting for me. So I'm always exhausted, but I love it. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your pre-match routine, how you get psyched up and get all into character and get yourself psyched up for the match? I think anyone knows that I'm not that normal. And uh, so basically my, I don't get how any like sport routine before I go into the match. Everything what it does is like, to, to produce like, like completely power and rage in the mind. So I completely, I'm not like, I'm not like this psycho when I go into the ring, I'm a psycho before I go into the ring. Like, I don't know, somebody heard ever like a, Sometimes I'm so in my focus that I smash my head against its walls. Sometimes it hurts. <laughs> and um, it's completely like, I don't know, I got anything what I want to do in, in the ring. I just think about this. And I always like getting more and more and more 
and more into the rage till there's like nobody can talk to me till I finished and after I finished and I like wrestled by my limits it's like completely down after this I like can't talk I just want to sit down and just like let all this energy out of my body my own team. So I understand you've just become a father for the first time. Uh, how's that affected your wrestling career so far and what's it been like making the transition from obviously now you're a dad? Um, yeah, I became a father of a beautiful, nice son. Thank you very much. Everybody who knows to have a child at home, it like completely changed everything what it does. It that changed my ring style, but it's changed my view of things. I mean like, I love wrestling, but there is always my priority to my family before and I told this on shows again and there's a reason why I had to like put it down a little bit. So, change that I love wrestling I always will give everything I got in the room completely my whole body my whole spirit and everything I guess but huh let's explain this I got more energy than before it's a new level of rage I've got right now so nothing's gonna stop me ever um, you've had a head injury a few years ago you still incorporate uh, headbutts a lot into your style and are you planning on toning that down eventually, especially after what, uh, what happened in Japan or are you going to go forward with that style in the future? Uh, first thing is I can't wrestle another way. It's like who I am and nothing would be else because I automatically wrestle how I wrestle, how, I, how my rage is, how I'm, the, I'm just a psycho who just go through everything, so I can't wrestle another way. But definitely, to, you need to learn how to not completely die when you do this, and always take care of your health. But like I tell, I don't want to do anything else than go out and give one one hundred percent of who I am. And this is to headbutt anyone, is to strike anyone, and to get striked from anyone. So I just need to watch out more, but I can't do anything else. This is who I am. How do you feel about your match with Walter at the end of 16 Carat this year? Um, were you proud of that match and did you achieve everything you set out to do? Because I think I speak for everyone here that we really, really enjoyed it. I know we talked about wrestling basically, but for me, I don't know, I need, I need a special feeling when I fight. For me, it's a fight. I, I like entertaining how I act but it's not like entertainment in the first sense so my main goal after the match is like being as fucked up as possible just to feel what I did because I just need this battleground I just need a red open bloody chest I just need this this is my drug so and especially against water this was like a milestone for me because I never felt like this before it is I can also tell like one of my maybe my the match I like the most in my career because it's like just surviving but this is like what I love just survive and just do not let yourself get down and just stand up again and then if you even if you feel pain like on this level after three days of wrestling it still like can get up 
I think then you like not as a human, not just as a wrestler, just as a fighter. Like you be really proud of yourself, and this is like one moment when you really, I really can be proud of myself. What I'm not that often because I'm really uncritic myself. We've seen a lot of the um, a lot of the higher end of the WXW roster, certainly Balter, Badbones, uh, make a lot of appearances in England recently. Um, I'm wondering why you're not getting booked in the UK, and is it something you're actively pursuing? Are you like, putting the feelers out there and seeing who's interested in you? Because I think there's certainly a market for it. Um, the thing is that, like, not, I'm, that I'm not interested in it, but I, I, like, my mind is like in another way ticking, because I... Uh, I don't make plans at big time, so I just, when I wrestle, I wrestle, and I don't make, like, one show is like this, one show like this, I just come and I do my 100% and I'm just super into it when I wrestle. And especially, if there would be, like, a chance for me to wrestle in England, I would definitely be doing everything for this. But, like I told before, my priorities at this moment of time are 100% of my family, and then come with wrestling. And there's the possibility to have time and space for this. I will definitely go for it. And I will go for it. But maybe the point of time right now, at this moment, is not the best for this. But I will. Even though I don't speak German, I think your promos come across so well, uh, so passionate. Um, there's only one other person who I've seen who's like that, is Atsushi Anita in Japan, um, whose promo style, I don't understand Japanese, but you can still tell from his emotion and the way that he speaks what he's trying to convey. Is there anyone you get inspiration from, from your kind of interviews, your promo styles, it's just from the heart and from yourself? Yes, there are. Some of the things I do is just I'm just let it go. I'm so the person I am in the ring is like to 90% the person I'm private. I'm not striking guys on the street. It's not like this, but it, uh, I'm really like getting speed up in rage. Like I'm not just not, not a normal human being, but it's cool because everybody should be like he is in real life and don't like hide himself into something, someone else, be who you are. But the main inspiration I get is like, I, I watch a lot of movies. Some things I get from several from, oh, so my, my favorite like figure in comics, Joker. For example, this is a big inspiration for me to talk like this. So, and um, basically I watch a lot of guys who play psychos. Um, I don't know, everybody's new series is taboo on like Amazon Prime, for example. Like, this is a good figure and the, the protagonist is like very inspirational from this memes. So this is like, a base inspiration for me, but at least I don't copy anyone. It's like, I say how I feel this, because it's real for me. Hello Ilya, I'm a big fan. Um, who's your favorite Backstreet Boy? It's that dirty question section again. There's no one favorite, they are all awesome. <laughs> um, do you have any dream opponents, uh, either here in WXW or uh, from around the world, that you haven't wrestled yet, which you uh, would try to um, compete against in the future? Pentagon, Midoriya Suzuki, and uh, Loki.
have any advice for any aspiring young wrestlers um, who are looking to get into wrestling? Love eating shit. A bunch of times, a lot of times, and don't expect something good for the very long first time because nothing what is what you what it really is to earn in your life, which would be great, ever comes from nothing. Because it needs to know how to get beaten down. I need to come up again and like working on 100% of focus, it doesn't matter what. Mixed martial arts is very popular in, in Russia and with a lot of Russian people. Is that something that you're interested in? Uh, either as a viewer, or would you like to uh, compete or train in that uh, kind of sport? So, of course, the last Emperor Fedor Emelianenko is super impressive. But always thinking of MMA forever. But I don't want 100% a wrestler. I don't want to do anything else. So, wrestling is real enough and hard enough. It is definitely not less violence than in MMA, not the way I do it. Last night you were unsuccessful winning the WXW World Unified Championship. Do you think that's the right call? And are you actually ready at the moment in your career to be the WXW champion and be the figurehead of the company? The question is, is it already right for this? Are you ever ready for something? I mean like, I don't really think I'm that good and I don't really think I'm like super talented. I don't think I'm special, but I just work and work and work what they love to do. And I will always do this. So it doesn't matter if I'm ready, it's just a matter of time. And if, I'm, if the status is here, I will do out of 100%, making 200%, making 300%. We now come to our final interview uh, of the World Tag Team League weekend, again prior to night the Night Free show, um, and we got to speak to CMJ, Christian Mikhail Jacobi, the head of WXW, uh, who's always a pleasure to talk to, and um, lovely to pick his brain, because he's uh, really, really interesting views on independent wrestling in general, and the way wrestling should be going as you're about to find out thank you very much from everyone again for inviting us out we've had a, a total blast so thank you for that and how do you feel it's gone so far on to uh, day three now um, are you happy with the shows the crowds the atmosphere is there anything in hindsight that you would like to do slightly differently than what has happened uh, first of all, thank you for coming and uh, generating so much interest around the Tech League because I think, I don't know if you know already, but yesterday we were the number six trending topic in all of Germany and uh, that's all uh, also through you, so thank you very much for spreading the word about what we do. Um, I'm pretty happy with how it went. Um, like. Last time we met was 16 Carat, and I think that was the that was the gift of the show because we could give so many rewarding moments to the fans, like the Ilya winning the tournament, um, like Jörn winning the belt, and all these things, and uh, Kevin beating Marius. So we had a lot of we had a lot of the feel good moments in the show, so to say. And of course, it can't always be Christmas, so. Um, 
sometimes you got to invest in what you do and I think there were a couple of risks that we have taken this weekend and there will also be some risks that we are taking today and I'm really happy with how it turned out to be honest because um, the fans uh, that I talked to were all happy, the atmosphere was great, the attendance numbers are what we expected out of this weekend and um, I'm most especially really impressed with uh, how the weekend is going so far in terms of the the work behind the scenes, so to say. I think, again, it worked out to get a crew of people who can work together and who can chip in. Like, I wrote it on Twitter yesterday, Loki has a bad reputation. I have no idea how that is possible. He's one of the nicest and most supportive guys I've met in wrestling. So, and it's the same with everybody else. Like, of course, the WXWT works well anyway, but all the people who came in, be it Spirit Squad, be it uh, Rottweilers, be it uh, EYFBO, or be it the Briscoes, everybody's chipping in and this is a very much a communal effort and I'm very proud of our team and of the roster of people who are here this weekend. Would you be happy to uh, disclose a tag team that you really wanted for this tournament but perhaps couldn't get due to booking issues? Is there anyone else that you feel would have made this tournament just that little bit bigger? Well, I mean, making a tournament bigger, obviously the Young Bucks come up straight away, but um, we're not just fans running a promotion, and it's not just about spending whatever amount of money to have the Young Bucks there, but it has to make sense business-wise in the end. And um, like we, we definitely ask them, but it's just, I don't know. There is no way a serious business of this size could manage that. And then also one of them was not available as well, so it fell through anyway. I think, like what I want is for people to come here because it is the festival weekend. Not because it's the Briscoes, not because it's the Rockbiters, not because it's Lincoln, but because they know that they can expect three days of all-around entertainment. You know what I mean? So. Of course, the Chosen Bros would have been great, of course the Lucha Bros would have been great, but you know what? A4 are great. Like, it's, 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 we are not dependent on uh, putting together the biggest names in independent wrestling. There's plenty of other companies out there who do that, and I respect that, but it's not our way. So, this tournament field, I think, has delivered what was expected of them, and we'll do that today as well, so... No? <laughs> no, no add-ons. Hey Christian, um, <laughs> yesterday you announced uh, the uh, Wrestling Deutschland show uh, before the 16 karat gold tournament. Um, who came up with the idea? How did it come together? And uh, with what promotions will you be working there? Are there any uh, I don't know negotiations already been made? Yeah, normally I never take credit for things because most of the ideas we do aren't mine. This was my idea. Um, like I got uh, in August there was the summer break and um, there were always a couple of promotions and wrestlers asking if uh, I'm available for seminars and stuff. So I decided to uh, do that in August and I visited like five different promotions in Germany and wrestlers as well and gave seminars and coachings on how to build a company in wrestling, how to build a character, how to build a brand and all that stuff. 
And the thing is, there is always this saying in the German podcast landscape, as you know, like Wrestling Deutschland, zusammen nicht alleine, and this stuff, and it always seemed a bit fishy to me, looking at these promotions, seeing what we do here, and seeing how little, or how, yeah, how small sometimes the, um, what does Anspruch mean? Anspruch? Ambition. How low their <laughs> how low their ambitions are at times, and the thing is, you always looking in from like, like looking at it from our perspective. It's always like, okay, so why don't they reach out? Why is there no asking for help or for resources or for an exchange? And reality is, they don't think it's possible. Like I talked to so many people, and they were like. The thing I've heard most of the times was, oh, you're not an asshole, that's a surprise to us, you know, because the people don't think it's in the, within their reach to reach out to WXW and to ask for common projects. And the thing is, we want to make a business out of this here in Germany, but there is no business without an industry, and there is no industry without other promotions. And it's not that, like, sometimes I think people think I'm like, Every other promotion has to be little or squashed and stuff like that. No, it's rather I'm standing there and being like, come on guys, when, when is finally something happening for real? When, when does real promoting start? When does, when does real storytelling start? And I thought maybe it's just the ball is in our field. They look to us and be like, oh, they don't want to work with us. They are like this, you know? So I was like, we just are, it's, 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 our job now to reach out to them and to give them a platform and that's what I want to do at Wrestling Deutschland because the thing is there would be no Ilya without Next Step Wrestling, there would be no Hot and Spicy without Nordish Fight Club, there would be no, I don't know, there would be no Marius Alani without Eki Eckstein but these people they all need support, they all need, they all need the feeling that they can read uh, that they can achieve something and I hope this is a signal that will be sent. Yes, negotiations are already underway. The first round of invitations was sent out and I announced yesterday MVR from Lübeck, Next Step Wrestling from Dresden, a German wrestling promotion from Nuremberg and Wrestling Cult will be part of the lineup and we will finish it out uh, in the following weeks. Uh, coming back to the WXW product um, yesterday's main event saw a lot of interference, which in uh, certain other promotions would be called overbooked, but somehow you, you made it work, you uh, told a pretty good story, I think, and uh, in general, over the past few years, I've thought uh, your storytelling uh, is very good. You, have, um, you go from A to B to C in a logical way, in a, in a, in a speed, in a progressive way that, that makes sense over the course of a tour. So maybe you could talk a little bit how you approach the whole storytelling um, aspect and who are the people involved in uh, both in producing uh, the weekly shotgun and in coming up with the, with the storylines. Thank you. First for noticing. Um, yes, it's, it's pretty much, I think, if you like. Vince Russo told me, if you have a creative vision, you need to do everything in your powers to make that happen. And I think we at WXW, we have a certain creative vision, and that's what I want from wrestling as well. Like, I couldn't care less about work rate matches. Like, this stuff doesn't excite me. Just two people doing 
the best they can do without any background. You know, when I see two people fighting, I want to know why they are doing it, because everything else, I think, is a very abstract way of, you know, you have to, you have to be inside the bubble. Of course, we can appreciate a match like that. But the normal people on the streets, why would they be interested in two people fighting if there is no build-up? And um, so I think over the last years we've gone very deep into that subject. There has to be meaning. The wrestlers have to have characters. Because in indie wrestling, most of the times, if you're good, you're on top. If you're bad, you don't get booked. And the thing is, it actually is not about being good. Like, Dirty Dragon wouldn't have a place in Bola, but I'm very happy he has a place in WSW because every wrestler has certain assets that can and should be used. How we produce that? We're not lazy. Like, match preparation can take 10 minutes. But a match preparation for a match like yesterday's main events takes 6 hours and the work of like there are 12 people involved and it's the creative work of, of I would say at least five people who also work for six hours just to conceptualize stuff like that because if you do stuff like this and you hit a wrong note will be hung because at the end it's still indie wrestling and if it's bullshit then it's bullshit you know like you can't you can't fake it it has to be real I want real emotion because I think in independent wrestling way too often you have the situation where there's, I don't know, a good guy and a bad guy. In the end, the good guy wins and everybody claps because that's what you were conditioned to do. But that's not enough for me. I want real emotion. Like when Jörn turned on Carsten, there was real emotion. When that Mac thing happened yesterday, there was real emotion. And you can only feel real emotion in the happiness when you had to endure some real sadness in the down phase. So that's the thing. I want to create, or we want to create, real emotion with the fans. Because I think wrestling, wrestling is a work, right? But I think independent companies are afraid to work the people. They think we, we can only, if, if we work as hard as possible, maybe they will accept us. But that's not what wrestling is. Wrestling is telling a story. Wrestling is creating a universe. And wrestling is creating emotion. And like, more often than not, we're able to create this. I want to be better at this. I, when I saw this yesterday, I thought it was 80% of what it could have been. But you have to, you know, the people have to have the sensibility. The wrestlers need to have the sensibility. We have wrestlers now that are booked for an entire weekend of interferences and entrances. That would have never happened three years ago, and wrestlers would have been like, I want to wrestle. But now they understand. They are part of the whole system. And it's a process. We're not where I want to be with this, because I think this, is the, this can be the USP of WXW. Real storytelling, real emotions with the, with the means and with the vocabulary of modern-day wrestling. But the storytelling and the way things go is way more oriented in 80s and 90s wrestling, to be honest. Um, could you tell us a little bit about how the Rise faction was conceptualized? Um, was that always a plan before Axel Dutta Jr. left, or was that um, a, a new plan after he left? And also, how did you go about selecting the members of the faction? The thing is, we knew that Jr. would leave in late January, I think, but we announced it after April, and it was a secret until then, because, like, there was this... Again, this is something, like... We have to, like, we're a wrestling promotion. It's our job to work the people and to make them invest into something emotionally. And so we knew it at the end of January, but we kept it a secret until April because we wanted to finish 
Well, of course we didn't finish the story, obviously, but we wanted to finish a story that would make a... It was more important to me to finish out the story in style than to get the... You, you brought Junior to WWE pop, you know? So that was more important to us. So we had a bit of time, obviously, to prepare Rise, and I'm pretty sure if Junior would have stayed, there would be no Rise, which would be a shame, but also not a shame. I would love to still have Junior, but I also love to have Rise. Um, and the idea was pretty clear. Like, we work with... We're kind of conservative. Like, I think in England, for example, if you don't perform well, you're off the card. That's it. But when we book people, we want to work with them. Like sometimes when new people come here and they have a bad match, they're like, I'm so sorry, I'll do better next time. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck, we want to work with you. Relax. This is part of the, of the learning curve. This is part of the experience. So we try to figure out, we try to find people because as we work with the people for such a long time, I think looking in from the outside, it could seem stale. There is always the same people on top, so we decided, let's create an outcast group that is a, an immediate breath of fresh air, because it's all new people. And then it was pretty easy to identify these people, because of course we know what's going on in Germany. So we reached out to them, I flew out to Berlin, had a meeting with them, this was all set in, yeah, in February, I think. And then in May it happened. And Luckily, it was a big success because people, because the thing is to introduce five completely new people to a universe that is so set in its ways and that is so set with its performance and the, our fans all know these performers so well, to have five people come in and be accepted, that was a huge deal. So I'm really happy with how this went. Um, because yes, it's for us, it's just a way of exploring new things, of learning new things. We have never had a storyline like this with like the huge stable in a way. So everything that you see now, be it the 5 of 5 match in Frankfurt, be it the stuff in the main event yesterday, be it the big brawls, it's all new for us. It's, it's a huge, uh, it's stimulating because you, you, you are forced to put yourself in new positions and to do new stuff. And it's awesome because the guys are all they're all there, they want to do it, they love it. And same with the other roster, I think everybody likes working with them and it has been a huge success. So yeah? Um, I'd say that the Spirit Squad are definitely the wild cards of the tournament in terms of being outside of what you'd normally see in WXW. Um, so could you tell us your thoughts behind Buckingham and how you feel they've performed in the tournament so far? Well, obviously, it wasn't um, like an, it wasn't a coincidence or it wasn't an accident that we booked them, but we booked them to have this contrast. Because when you have three days of wrestling, I mean, it's a bit tough, you know? Like, you can't eat rice pudding for three days straight. So, you have to have something else. So, it was a conscious decision to have people who are different and who will do something different. To be completely honest, I didn't love the match on day one. But I certainly uh, really like what happened yesterday, and I think the thing is, again, it's it's our job to 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 give the fans a product that they can appreciate. So many fans think like they're like armchair bookers and they know everything, and they are like, no, I won't boo them. They want to be booed, but I'm not a WWE mark. I'm smarter than this. And I'm like, yeah, what, what's the what's the fun in this? What's what's the fun part of this? They have a certain, yeah, they have a certain function, and they do it really well, and they're awesome guys. So I'm really happy 
having them here, and I think they have uh, enhanced the tournament tremendously. Um, I just wanted to jump back to the, to the rice faction because um, in the original group there was uh, Chris Cohen as well in there, and he has a pretty big part in there as well. And uh, suddenly he got dropped out of the shows. Is it because he now has a, a big role in GWF, or uh, what's the reason behind that? Because we haven't seen him since like, forever. <laughs> Uh, Chris Cohen has made exactly the appearances he was booked for at the beginning of the year. Like everything, like he had other bookings, and that's fine. We respect that. Like we force nobody to to cancel other. Like that's you to just don't do that. The last that we saw him, I think he vowed to want a title match from Bones John Klinger. So everything is going according to plan. I would say when it comes to Chris Cohen, like he wasn't dropped or anything. I'm, I know, I knew that he has a big role in GWF, but I don't care. What happened to the WoW movement? They looked like they were going to be a pretty big faction in WXW for a little time. It's um, the Mac, John Klinger, um, I think A4. I saw some t-shirts get made up and it looks like it could be exciting and then nothing. just dropped. I think they were inspired by Ringkampf, but didn't find the success of Ringkampf, so they decided to do their own merchandise again. Like, there is nothing behind that at all. talked about just a little bit in one of the last uh, SCMJ um, shows, but you did it in German, so maybe it's, it could be of interest for the international press here. Um, Otto Wands recently passed away. Uh, could you briefly talk about, um, was he any kind of, of inspiration to you guys, um, especially uh, since he was pretty good at the, at the business side of things? And um, do you see the, so to speak, the role of WXW as the market leader in Germany at the moment? Uh, do you see, see yourself in, in some way as the uh, successor of the old uh, CWA promotion around the German-speaking countries? I'm certainly inspired by the calorie intake, but um, no. Like I think Otto Wanz has played a tremendous role in getting wrestling where it was at the beginning of the 90s, but he also played a big role in making sure that it declined after his retirement and especially after his promotion retirement. I think Otto Wanz has left uh, a legacy of, of an unexpected career because looking at him you would never think what he did was, would be possible. So I was really surprised uh, and impressed looking back that he had such a big career. I never met the guy, sadly. I would have loved to. Um, I just think he has shown that it's possible to make money with wrestling in Germany. And that is what I want to do as well. Not because I want to make money, but because I want it to be a thing. But if for it to be a thing, it has to make money. In the end of the day, so that is that is the big inspiration. Like, I can't help myself. I'm I'm more of a white collar guy, so I think my approach to promoting things is very different from the approach a wrestler would have. So I wouldn't compare myself with Otto in any way, shape, or form. But I think that he definitely like he managed to do something that I really, I really, really want to achieve as well. So saying he would not be somebody to look up to would be a lie. I definitely look up to him and I respect his accomplishments. Yeah. Since we saw um, Thatcher versus Walter at Inner Circle in Ambition Rules, is that a sign that um, we'll be seeing more Ambition-style matches on shows that aren't Ambition 
Um, coming out. No. Um, not because I wouldn't like it. I love it. Especially when Walter and Tim are doing it. But I think, like, a crowd like this, they will understand. They would understand. But I think for the general public, the concept of wrestling is is already a um, is already um, a leap of faith. Does that make sense? But that there is another set of rules where it's really real. Come on, there is a hokey element to it which we all can look above because it's awesome. But what ambition does? It legitimizes wrestling in a certain way, and it legitimizes.